0: of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord our strength and our redeemer Amen Have you ever noticed how quickly vision gets gobbled up by process how quickly vision gets gobbled up by process Ideals quickly encased by systems. Systems become more important than people, the very people they're supposed to be for. It's what we humans do. Great ideas, even the best ideas, draw around them, draw into them like a magnet, those whose priority becomes to protect the idea at all costs, to protect the idea. And so they build structures in order to keep it safe. Or in order to move it forward, yes, but only in a controlled way. Their controlled way. They are well-intentioned in the beginning These are not bad words to guard, to preserve, to conserve, to keep the purity, to defend the faith. These are not bad things. But systems soon develop a life of their own. And that's the problem. It happens in business. So that the management guru, Tom Peters, encourages good managers to... Victoriously and gleefully, with all hands participating, take the lead in destroying the trappings of bureaucracy. Become, he says, uh, an emotional, vociferous, repetitive, public hater hater of bureaucracy. He says, become a nuisance. Otherwise, those bureaucracies go on to become interested in power, control stifling innovation and before you know it you have what they call an establishment an establishment with a life and a purpose all of its own a skewed vision of its own and that vision is its own survival empire building expansion of influence self preservation save the life of my committee keep your hands off my pet project protect my patch and once that mentality is in place in any organisation woe unto ye who doth dare to rock the boat the wagons have got into a circle spin becomes paranoia and it happens it happens in business it happens in the world of academics and NGOs It happens in politics. The bunker mentality of a Richard Nixon or a Saddam Hussein. The secure ramparts of the ruling classes. And there have been political mavericks who presumed, who dared to question the status quo, to prick the bubble of complacency. But they are often sidelined They're the awkward squad, the troublemakers, disruptive, dangerous even. Whoever dares to challenge with a a radical word, whoever confronts with the truth, had better watch out, had better watch their back. They hated Jesus of Nazareth, the establishment, The religious authorities, the rule book boys. He was such an individual, such a, a threat, undermining the safe places, seeming to disrespect the old ways. A grade A troublemaker. He would have to be dealt with severely. A disturber of the peace. And I've certainly seen that happen in the national church. That rampart mentality kicks in when the frock coats and the closed minds gather in a huddle or mutter in the corridors of power when some turbulent priest or another shakes the tree. They don't like it. And they're still with us. That mentality is still around. Which brings us to the incident of the woman Healed on the Sabbath. Shock, horror. Healed on the Sabbath. And that story highlights the tension. The difference Christ makes. The message he brings. The alternative that he represents. There was no mistaking what he was doing. The message he was bringing. His anger at their willful blindness to what was really happening. Here is a daughter of Abraham being released from the prison of a crippling illness that has dogged her life for 18 years, what's not good about that? What's not good about that? What would God not like about that? Indeed, when better for her to be healed than on the Sabbath? Can you see that? He says, can you see that and rejoice in it? It was a moment that brought an unmistakable reminder to them the establishment that they had failed the vision. The discreet powers that be, the grey men, and they were all men. Bustling and plotting behind the scenes, checking the rule book again and again. A verse for this, a proof text for that. They knew all about the holy books, they just didn't know what the holy books were about. And so they brought the faith into disrepute. And soon there would be history. The old wineskins were about to burst as the new wine of the gospel poured out across the world. It was all going to be taken away from them, the power, the status, the dignity, because God was not pleased with how they had, for their own purposes, distorted the dream, corrupted the vision, and imprisoned the souls of men and women with their rule books. Their nitpicking regulations, their loveless religious ceremonials. Well, sadly, it keeps on happening. It happened to them, it happens to us. The combined effects of time and history, and before you can say moderator, good intentions become ambition, important becomes self-important. Position and status become more significant than service and humility. Rules, more important than people. Procedure, proper procedure, more precious than the very people we serve. Forms that have to be filled out correctly, displacing the individuals the forms were supposed to help. It happens to Christianity as a whole, as a world religion. It affects and infects the Church of Scotland. And it can misdirect local congregations who forget the real purpose of their existence and instead divert their time and their energies and their resources into maintaining the ship, maintaining the ship, and wondering less and less about the direction in which the ship is sailing. Or why it is at sea at all. Local congregations can fall into the trap of thinking that the reason they are there is to be there. Instead of seeing that they are there to serve God and hear his call to witness and service. And all too easily, energies are sapped, sapped, supporting systems. We need to keep asking of everything that we do, of everything that we do, is this of the essence? Does this matter for the good of the kingdom of God? Is this good for people? Does it help people grow and feel included and loved? Or is it just an accident of history that we do this this way and we do that that way because we've always done it this way and we've always done it that way? I learned last week, just last week, how the Dutch Reformed Church, at one point in its story, tore itself apart over a division between the uplifters and the non-uplifters. Those who thought that the right and traditional way to celebrate communion was that the communion cup should be lifted up during the service, and a whole other lot of people who thought it should just be kept down low. And they ripped the church to shreds over that. Uplifters, keep it down. What is really sacred? What is just tradition? What is no longer relevant? What no longer works? What no longer has any meaning for people nowadays? Is this meeting that we're holding, is it about movement or simply maintenance? Important, crucial questions. And so we have to keep a perspective on this and always be aware that we risk losing that perspective. We need to keep alert to the situation or we can find ourselves stuck in the mire, no use to anyone. We need to stay attuned to the will of God because being alive in the Spirit is what will keep us seeing where we're going. What we need to do, who we should be. It's terrifyingly easy for us to exhaust ourselves maintaining the machinery. We need to keep focused and remind ourselves constantly that we are tellers of the story, not retainers of the traditions. Tellers of the story, not retainers of the tradition. We are entrusted with the glorious gospel vision to share. We are not curators of the museum, with our feather dusters and our rule books and our stern faces. in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We've spend some time in reflection now and the choir will lead us in that.